3: I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Tuesday. Alabama wins the national title in a blowout, making it seven for Saban, the most of any coach who ever lived. Next year's odds are already out here in Vegas. Surprise, surprise, Alabama's favorite three to one. Clemson next. Ohio State next. Oklahoma after that. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I think I've heard those names somewhere. The Eagles looking for a coach, and we've got the odds, the favor, Robert Salah. Number two, Lincoln Riley. Number three, The Enemy. Here comes a 4 hour of The Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to
1: Fox Sports, Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of
0: Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell.
3: Girl, me
1: the pregame show America has always wanted. I the I the
3: From the Vegas strip. Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Tuesday. It's a big Tuesday. A lot to finish up, put a bow on it from the weekend, and a lot of news breaking, and some big games coming up this weekend. We're excited. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. 225 stations live every day on FSR. Now, I'm the pro. He's the Joe in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox.
4: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got plenty to still discuss from a busy weekend in the NFL. And we've got a national championship crowning in Miami on Monday night. What is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday?
3: I I mean, I don't think we should really talk national. I mean, Ohio State losing. uh,
4: Okay, we (laughs) got to start there. Yes, it was all Alabama. 52-24 was the final national championship, number seven for Nick Saban.
3: So let's think about this a second. Unequivocally, without a shadow of a doubt, it's tougher to win a national title today than it's ever been. And here's why. It's not really debatable. There used to be, and it wasn't that long ago. Well, I guess maybe it's been a while. But go back to 1983, and BYU won the national title. And I remember I was 13 at the time, and Jeff Sagarin had his numbers in USA Today, the computer rankings, which were one of the first ones that were, you know, public out there in the USA Today. And I recall now, and don't quote me on this exactly, but BYU was like the 16th best team. And at the time, you literally would play, and this is pre-BCS, you literally would play your schedule and one bowl game. And at the time, the WAC maybe had a tie-in. And uh, let's just say this they weren't playing anyone any good, but they went undefeated, no one else did that was any good and literally won the national title. Now, why are we use that for an example? Because Cincinnati could have been the analogy in this case. Now, the fact that Alabama was undefeated and all that, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been. But literally not that long ago, the teams didn't have to play. I mean, oftentimes on January 1, you would have one playing seven and two playing 11. And then after the games, everyone kind of decided, but they didn't really, or the voters did, but they didn't really decide because they never really had people jumping people. It was just whoever was one, if they won, they won the national title. And then there's been so many split national titles over the years where there's two of them given out. And one, you know, used to be uh, the AP, and then the coaches poll, I think, was the one. And then at different times, that evolved. But you look at, like, Joe Paterno, multiple national titles. Many of those were split. So now, how do you win the national title? You've got to play well enough to get voted into the Final Four. And we know there's some subjectivity there. Now, Alabama's never going to lose out on that one. But okay, And then you got to beat two of the other three best teams in football. So to me, as much as we think, oh, my gosh, is Nick Saban really as good as Bear Bryant? I think it's night and day how much more of an accomplishment this is for Nick Saban to now have the most ever compared to a Bear Bryant or a Woody Hayes or you name your coach. Jonas, do you agree with me there?
4: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I also think what Sabin did this year, and he made mention of this. He, he made a comment about this earlier in the season. Where, and this is a defensive guy, a guy who's grown up on the defensive side of the football. That's always been his resume. He was on the Brown staff with Belichick on the defensive side of the ball. Like He's a defensive guy through and through. And he said you know those days are dead you know good defense doesn't beat good offense anymore in college football and so to see him adapt as he got older not stuck in his ways not stuck in his old philosophies and understanding i got to figure this out and i got to i got to go with the motion and try and solve this as opposed to going against it um just amazing job amazing coach uh, unbelievable resume
3: I got to be honest with you. I think you're touching on one of the key, you know, probably in my opinion, right up there with Saban's been amazing in the accomplishment. But your point of an old dog learning new tricks, as the saying goes, or as Hogan would say.
5: Yo, homeboy, welcome to the hood,
3: brother. (laughs) It's a whole different place. (laughs) And let's think about this. Let's let technology, which is a billion-dollar industry, billions upon billions. Let's think about this. So for a long time, IBM was king, right? And then Microsoft took over. All right. Now you might think, well, why? Well, it was a transition from mainframe computers, the big ones you saw in the old movies that made a lot of noise, to desktops, right? And Bill Gates. Wrote BASIC, then he came up with his team, came up with DOS, and then eventually Windows, and there you go. Bill it became the richest man in the world. So, who was in the best position to rule the internet? Bill Gates and Microsoft. Best position, just like IBM was in the best position to rule desktops, but they didn't. New DNA, new blood came in. Bill Gates wrote a memo, I think it was 93 or 94, before the internet even got big, and said, we've got to stop whatever we're doing at Microsoft and focus on the internet, because I see it, it's the future. And still, they couldn't do it. So, what came next? Well, let's think. Social media. Well, obviously, it's going to be, at that point, Netscape, perhaps, right? Because Netscape kind of took the browsers over. Or maybe Google, because they took over the search engines, Google has spent billions, billions trying to do social media, and you know what? It's amounted to nothing. I don't even think any of those sites are still open, right? It was Google Plus, and it was, I think, before Okra was the name of something, it was big in Brazil, and that was it. I mean, read if you're not familiar, they spent many billions, couldn't go anywhere. You know what? Facebook did. And then it was like short messaging is big. Well, Facebook should have dominated that. No, it was Twitter. So think about it. And as technology keeps moving, there's never been a time that a company has dominated in technology for two eras, even when those eras are maybe five years long. But Nick Saban somehow was the best coach in college football in the prior version of college football where defense had a chance. Yeah. And now when defense doesn't really have a chance, he's the best coach. This is – I don't know what's more rare, winning the seven, how hard it is today, or being the best at two things. And let me propose, what other coaches could we say – like if we think of the last era of great coaches, which one – because you look at Urban Meyer, let's say he comes back and does – well, I guess it would be the pros, but he was always – an offensive guy. So in a way he was a forerunner at Utah and yeah. such of this stuff, but who was a defensive guy and became an offensive guy except for Saban?
4: I can't, I honestly can't think of one. The only coach that I can think of that did something not, I don't, I don't want to say exactly the same, but something similar as part of this conversation about doing it at different times or different ways is Shashevsky, because Shashevsky won in the early nineties and then he won in the early 2000s, and then he won 10 years later, and then another five years after that or something like that. But what was amazing about it is he – always had guys who stayed four years, you know, like like Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, all those guys stayed four years. And then he looked around and realized, all right, this one and done thing's kind of a big deal. So I need to figure that out as well, too. And then he went out and started, you know, finding one and done guys that were going to leave after their freshman year. And he was winning national titles that way also. So he sort of in, evolved when it came to recruiting and his pitch to these kids. And Saban's evolved from a scheme standpoint
3: on the field. I was listening, and initially I'm thinking, yeah, but... yeah. And then I kept thinking about it, and this is a great example. You're right. Because really, if you think about it, it was a fundamental part of him. Yeah. The The Duke family. And then when it became a one-and-done, and it feels like his heart... You know, he did an interview with Colin, maybe... April, I think right when the pandemic was starting and on the herd right here in FSR. And they did like a 20, 25, you know, like two segments. Yeah. And it just felt like Coach K didn't, you know, he felt like it was too mercenary now and all that. So in a weird way, even though his heart doesn't seem to be in it the same way it was before with, you know, a family and all that, he still is able to win. Though in a way, eh, I'll pull it back just a little bit. I mean, how many national titles has Duke won in the last... Ten years. Oh, he's one?
4: got, I I want to say, one or two. I know there was 2010 and 2015, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, okay. I guess yeah, one or two in the last 10, 11
3: years. Yeah. So, so, again, not that that isn't amazing. Yeah. But right now he's up there. And if you said, if we just take the last dozen years or whatever, you know, a decent amount of time. Or maybe just since the one and done became a big deal because that would be when it's a new era. Coach K's up there with – five or six other coaches, I'd say, in that era? Yeah. Does that sound right?
4: Yep, absolutely.
3: And that's amazing, but Saban's in a class by himself at this point. Yeah. And we looked at those odds, but I think you were right on. And and the fact that we went to maybe, I don't want to say the best coach of all time in college basketball, because I think John Wooden undoubtedly was, if you just look at the numbers, but let's say one of the five best coaches, the Mount Rushmore has Coach K on it, not many people are going to debate that, yeah. And he changed his spots. and that's the, the the talent we're talking that it requires is. And and to me, as much as we can say, I don't. I, I have a SEC anti bias. I I just I hate bullies and. Not that they're bullies, but there's just so, you know, it's not that I like the underdogs usually because I don't, because I think underdogs are often losers. But (laughs) but there's something about the SEC. Maybe it's just I'm not a Southern boy, right? I grew up in Ohio and I looked and I think, you know, Pennsylvania, we, you know, I was 25 minutes from PA and PA is the cradle of quarterbacks and the cradle of coaches and all that stuff. And SEC's kind of become dominant. Because I think another takeaway here, Jonas, and I'm R.J. Bell, we're straight out of Vegas, is how the Big Ten and the other conferences often were wringing their hands. How many days—well, NFL is doing 10 days, but we're going to do 30 days and this and that. And I'm not saying they were bad intentioned. I'm not saying anything other than Nick Saban spent less time on that stuff, I think, than probably— typical coaches, it seems like that what we're seeing is in a time of distraction. And when I say distraction, I don't mean the other factors are less important, but they are factors that can draw you away from your football goals. That during that time of COVID, we've seen LeBron win it and a guy who is, if whatever you want to say about LeBron, hyper-focused, right? He was hyper-focused and they won it. And now Sabin hyper focused and they want it. It seems to me that the trade-off or or anything other than a focus on football. Put you at a big disadvantage against Nick Saban. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I totally agree. And also, look at the guys like Jalen Waddell, who was injured, suffered a nasty injury earlier in the season. You couldn't keep that guy off the field last night. For this day and age where everybody's, now I'm thinking about draft stock, I'm thinking about this and this, there was no... No one even thought about not playing in the game, looking for the future. They wanted back on that field so bad. His his center was out there with a torn ACL, taking the last two snaps of the game. Like That just shows me that he got those guys to buy in at a time when a lot of people aren't buying into a lot.
3: It's a great point. And I actually listened to today's uh, John Middlecoff. He does a podcast on Collins Network. Yeah. And... He was a former scout yep. and straight talker. You know, that's what I enjoy with him is he's a straight talker. Some of it like takes me aback. It's like, but again, I, that's what I like is when a guy's no longer in the game is if they aren't anxious to get back in the game because you often see TV analysts – that it's a hiatus for them, right? They want to yeah. get back into coaching so they don't cut on anyone. They're politically correct. I'm not saying cutting for cutting's sake. I'm saying speak your mind. And Middlecoff speaks his mind. But he made an interesting point. He said, and it actually ties in with your Duke point, he says this is a football factory, Alabama. You can like that or you can not like it, but it's a football factory, and everyone goes there for a reason. And then another reason, two, win national titles and go to the pros. And you talked about, like, the the real pedigreed receiver who some say might go ahead of the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Waddle wanting to get back on the field. Yep wasn't just wanting to be part of Alabama. It was wanting to show how tough he is, is what Middlecoff was saying, because he's a guy that – and, again, I don't follow college college football play-by-play, so correct me if I'm wrong, but he's had some injuries throughout whatever – you know, throughout, I don't know, back to high school. And the idea that he was able to come back here is something that – Middle call thinks will come up in a draft room. Look how tough he was. He came yep. back earlier. So in a way, I don't think it takes away from it, but I don't think it's love of Alabama. I think they love winning and they love the pro, you know, NFL. And and to me, we can say, oh, it would be nice if it wasn't so mercenary if it wasn't about that. But boy, you said it. What is I mean, if you're playing college football to win and you win and you win because of focus not because of cheating, yeah, you can disagree and think, no, I I would rather my coaches spend more time on the pandemic because that could save lives. Okay, fine. But admit to yourself, if you say that, that your team has less of a chance to win, and you might be okay with that. And accept the fact that other people aren't going to be okay with that. And quite frankly, we celebrate them in this country. I mean, I can't think of a time that someone won – Without cheating, and someone in this country said, No, we reject you because you try too hard right. or you're too focused. <laughs> like, has that ever happened? No, no, no. Now, if you cheat, like Barry Bonds, allegedly, is, we'll turn on you, right? Yeah, of course. But The country yeah. will turn on you fat. But if you don't cheat and you just work extra hard, it doesn't matter if you're a one track mind. We don't have to live like Nick Saban. I don't know how he is at home, but you can imagine he's tough, right? We aren't worried about his wife, right? We're worried if you're an Alabama fan, you're worried about winning football games.
4: Yeah, no, and, and also Nick Saban, let's not forget, he, all, he had COVID this year. He put himself at risk to be out there to want to try and pursue this, this national championship. So that's a guy that's just laser focused, and it's not a surprise that him and Belichick are as good of friends as they are.
3: Well, now listen... You're right, but that, you know, and many people know Sabin was on the Brown staff, yeah. which is if you look at the team picture there, it's like, oh, that's a staff. And uh, Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, was actually uh, in the front office before uh, Belichick was hired but became close with them. And, you know, again, that's why I think Lombardi's insight to Belichick is so strong because not only was he there multiple years in New England – and when I was lucky enough to have dinner with him a couple, uh, two Easters ago, in Vegas, he had his two his New England Super Bowl rings, and I can't lie, I, I howled him, and uh, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, it's pretty cool, and you can see, I mean, that is so cool, you know, when you think back to the World Series and all the controversy with Houston, and then the uh, Manford said about the hunk of metal or whatever. And then you think about it. What makes sports so great is with all the money and regardless that there's a joy. They, like Tom Brady, whatever you want to say about going to bed at 915 and kale shakes, he cares about winning because this isn't about money. It's What's it about? It's about some in, internal goal he set, Brady set. I'm a Steelers fan. I don't love Tom Brady for beating me all these years. But you got to appreciate it. Final word, Jonas.
4: Yeah, no, it's just it, those guys seem to figure out a way when times are the toughest and when nobody else is and people are looking around for what problems there are. They're the first ones coming up with solutions. Nick Saban figured this whole thing out. That team figured it out and their national chance because of it.
3: And I do think, I, I mean, Ohio State, a lot of people said how good Clemson was. How State blew them out. How good is this Alabama team? I mean, a lot of people thought potentially this was the best Saban team ever, which means it may be one of the best teams ever. And in a way, the COVID is going to, I think, obscure that a little bit. Because when people look 20 years from now, they're going to see Ohio State had, you know, seven wins or whatever. It's going to be, you know, they're going to probably remember COVID, but hopefully it's unique enough. They remember, you know, it's something to think back on in 20 years and remember, as opposed to some crazy ongoing thing. But, you know, let's pray. But to me, I mean, last question, I mean... If someone that was a college expert said, this Alabama team's the best team that's ever played college football, would you, like, object strongly?
4: No. Um... It's, I just I mean, don't it, think it's been
3: proven because yeah, it wasn't a normal season.
4: They're they're in the discussion. There's a handful of teams in the in the discussion. A lot of people like last year's LSU team, a lot of people like the
3: yeah, uh, early point.
4: early two thousands Miami Hurricanes team that were just loaded from top to bottom. They're they're definitely in the discussion. They're one of the handful of teams, top five.
3: And you make a really good point, is the idea that LSU wasn't really good the year before, wasn't good this year, but somehow last year yeah. they became one of the best teams of all time, <laughs> which you usually don't see that like yeah. that. When we come back, we're shifting to the NFL. We're going to start with the Eagles. It's like a soap opera. We'll uh, we'll enjoy the soap opera parts and then dig into the football.
4: He's RJ Bell, I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Right out of Vegas.
6: up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any Graduate Hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you a minute to down that two-liter. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA.
5: Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code CRSHOW, Show. New customers could play 5 bucks, get 50 in Pick 6 credits. That's code CRSHOW, C-R-S-H-O-W, only on DraftKings Pick 6.
4: I disagree with an I disagree with I'm RJ Powell,
3: and we're straight out of Vegas.
4: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of You the Fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look into the future at next year's national champion.
3: I mean, we don't mess around. You crown one last night, Vegas has the odds the next day or even that night, and we'll give it to you straight. Out of Vegas. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And we're going to finish this football season strong. Fazek back tomorrow. Back for the whole week. you think during the playoffs, Jonas, he would say, you know, I'll do a (laughs) five-day. Like, a five-day, you know, how uh, many—typically, you work—do you work seven days, typically? Yeah. Because you do this show five days. Yeah, every day. and then and then the weekend do you ever do you ever have resentment towards Fazik
4: no i i, I just <laughs> i'm i'm so, i just look at it as i'm grateful to have it and so you know but, I, but, I feel lucky to get to do it fez but fez that's has, why you go ahead. I, I mean fez You know, he's got the mansion, he's got the yacht, and he's been doing something right for all these years. Why change it up? So if he's got, if Tuesdays are his relaxing day, then, you know, he's got to get after it on Tuesdays, I guess. You
3: know, I actually, one, you know, you take off like five days a year, you know, of this show. Is one time I asked him what he thought of you working every day. We actually have a tape of it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm not saying you should be I've upset that about that. I've heard that before. I've heard that. <laughs> All right, you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. In Vegas, it's fifty-seven degrees and the neon is flowing.
4: So RJ, the Alabama Crimson Tide are the national champions in twenty twenty slash twenty twenty-one, but it's never too early to get a look into the future at next year's odds for the next national championship.
3: Yes, and yo, what what a surprise. The favorite, the tide, Alabama, three to one. So think about this now. As there's no time. That Bama is gonna be more appreciated, is gonna be priced with more of a premium, expensive. Bama's expensive right now, and still they're three to one, meaning it's not easy to win a national title. And Clemson's next, three and a half to one, plus 350. Let me ask you, Jonas, six months ago, I would have said, I don't remember a negative story of significance about Clemson. In the last six months, it feels like there's been a real turn when it comes to the media's coverage of Dabo. Do you sense that?
4: Yeah, he's – I know this from when he first got to Clemson. I was actually in South Carolina doing radio there. And the guy he was then in comparison to how he is now publicly – Night and day. It's not even. So,
3: what was what what was the difference? What was he then? What is he now?
4: He's a loud mouth now. He 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 didn't talk as much. Um, Spurrier, who was the cross state rival at South Carolina, Steve Spurrier was always known for the quotes and the and the comments and trying to stir it up a little bit. And that's just been uh, Spurrier throughout the, his entire career. Dabo Swinney, there was never any of that. He was always humble, very quiet, and there was a lot of talk that you know. I mean, he's, an, he's an okay coach, but they haven't really done, there was the term Clemsoning, which was this thing where they would blow leads, or they'd have an opportunity to win a game, and they would so blow you, it.
3: You're saying back then, he was yeah. perceived as an, nothing special as a coach. Yeah,
4: yeah, there was nothing special, and then he started to turn around the program, and one of the rumors that was out there was man, if Nick Saban ever were to leave Alabama, Dabo Swinney might be the guy in waiting, because he went to Alabama, and so he's got that connection to the Crimson Tide, but just over the past three four years he's talking a lot he's making a lot of comments publicly he's you know irritating and rubbing people the wrong way with his you know the ohio state stuff with uh some of the other comments that he's made he's become pretty unlikable and that program i felt like so
3: so you don't you sorry to interrupt and and please finish your point but i just want to ask a question you're not one to say that, like, you know, there's hot take artists that's got an opinion on every, You know, they're either pro or con anything. You're a middle-of-the-road dude with a lot of things. But I would say, you know, in the last month... The adjectives you're using for Dabo, maybe three or four people have risen to the level of you being that critical. What was it that he did that rubbed you the wrong way the most?
4: The Ohio State stuff bothered me. The, well, you know, it won't take long to get ready for him. They don't have enough games. Uh, You know, they're they're 11th. uh, You know, I've got him 11th in my poll. He's just, it's just, he's constantly making comments now um you know constantly trying to stir it up and that's why do you think
3: his agenda is there
4: i don't know i i really i think if it was about Trying to show, you know, maybe get some other teams involved that he felt like, well, you know, they played full season, so I think these other teams should be rewarded. That's one thing, but. But once they're
3: in, why keep it up?
4: Exactly. And, and, And here's the other thing he was, I felt like he was punishing Ohio State for the Big Ten's plan. Ohio State was the one pushing to play this entire time. They they were in, in the at the forefront of this. Jim Harbaugh was at the forefront of, we want to play, we want to play. It was the Big Ten. Well, I'm not who, sure Harbaugh was. Well, you know, I mean, he at least gave the impression he <laughs> they was. He didn't even want to play Ohio State, I'll tell you that much. But it was the Big Ten who came down and was like, no, no, we're not doing it. And then they reversed course, and then they did it again, and then they started so late into the season, there was no time to make up games if there were losses or, or if games got canceled. And there was wasn't enough time to get in a full season and i felt like dabba was punishing ohio state for that as opposed to
3: punishing the big ten and i can see that meaning before if you want to make some well-placed comments you know there's a, a there is a belief that the year that Urban Meyer won it with Florida over Ohio State. So it would have been Tebow's, I think, uh, sophomore year maybe. Yeah. And he wasn't he wasn't the starting quarterback, but he came in at the goal line. And Ohio State was like a seven-point favorite. I think Ginn returned. I was at that game. Ginn returned the kickoff for a touchdown, and then that was it. It was just all Florida. And I think it was Chris
4: Leak was the starting quarterback for Florida. Okay.
3: Yeah. At the time, there was real thought that Michigan-Ohio State would play a rematch for the BCS because they were both undefeated going in that game. And Urban Meyer started saying things uh, you know, in the media that really got people thinking, and he turned the narrative around with some of his... So I like coaches that are trying to mani- uh, manipulate, really, the narrative for their benefit. But once the Buckeyes are in, why demean them? Because if you beat exactly. them, it diminishes what you've done, exactly. and you, it may psych them up, which I think it did.
4: Yeah, I, I I looked at that game and and I didn't know anybody outside of a Clemson fan who was rooting for Clemson in that game. I think people were really well, put a few off. batters
3: probably. But. Well,
4: yeah, there's that too. Uh, I think I think there were there were people were really put off by by Dabo's comments and and look, he's been pretty outspoken about, you know, wanting to play the season and, and all that stuff. And that's fine. I agree with him on we should have played the season, you know, uh, there you could get this season in and they did get this season in. There were some bumps along the way, but there was bumps along the way for everybody. But it's just the you've got an opponent. They rallied and figured out a plan to get in and and play these games. They're going through a lot of stuff as well, too. Why take out anybody who went through with it? I mean, Connecticut, UConn didn't even bother playing. Some other schools just didn't even play. At least Ohio State was out there.
3: Yeah. And I also think this is if there was a fourth school that was viable like, let's say that it was a tr- – in Buckeyes, in theory, it's the one Big Ten representative, so they want to spread the TV. So you can see, though, I don't think the Buckeyes have gotten biased with the playoff committee myself. I think over the years they haven't. But I don't understand all the political machinations. But what I know is that who would have been the team instead of Ohio State this year, yeah, right? I mean, Georgia exactly. – or, I'm sorry, um, am sorry a and I mean – and we saw in A&M's matchup against
4: Alabama, they got annihilated. So like, I, I had no issue with Notre Dame getting in or Ohio State getting in. But just, I
3: think Ohio State gets in over Notre Dame yeah. if there was only three, I think.
4: Yeah. yeah, based on that final game, because Ohio State won their conference championship game and, and Notre Dame got hammered in their conference championship game. But just this idea that you're in the playoffs now. Here we go. The game's going and he's got to demean him I just wasn't a fan of
3: 20 seconds. Do you think that the fact that, and correct me if I'm, I get a misimpression, but it feels like Dabo's perceived as more conservative politically now than maybe a year ago. Am I am I getting that impression for no reason, or do you think there's a valid reason that it feels like he's established himself as more conservative?
4: I think so, but I wouldn't be the one to. I don't know anything about politics, so I'm I'm kind of out of the mix. Yeah, on Yeah, because.
3: Because oftentimes it's funny uh, is if you get and and it's something we when, you know, when it's sports related, I'll give my opinion. You know, my politics are simple. I'm a libertarian. right. Is I think that uh, what's the best way to say? I think anything the government can do better. I think we should all chip in and pay for it. And because we're all going to benefit from it. And obviously, if you make more money, you pay more. It just makes sense. The. On the social side, I'm thinking unless it's hurting someone else, stay out of their business. So to me, I'm you know I'm a pure libertarian. So, so I don't love the Democrats, I don't love the Republicans, you know. So I, I feel like I can kind of speak my mind, and I think most people appreciate if a libertarian is consistent. They might not agree, but it's hard to like be adamant. No, we should really be in someone else's business. Now I think some people are, but. They're usually not gambling types, so I don't have trouble <laughs> necessarily with them. Right. And you know, and the people who are saying we shouldn't pay any taxes, well, I mean, that's going to be a contingent. and I'm not saying I'd run the other way, but <laughs> I can see the reasons, right? I mean, we got to build our highways. Right. Now, I think it's a valid conversation, which is what's the government's efficiency of doing things? because sometimes you look at the army or you know the armed services, they're the most efficient organization it's ever been on earth right the american army on other hands it isn't so efficient so but it strikes me that if you take a left or right stance that no matter what the other side makes it personal these days and and i've said this numerous times i think it hurts the conversation and if you think the other side's crazy, you know, I don't mean extremist on each side, but in general, anyone that disagrees with you is crazy. Well, we're probably not going to, you know, it's going to be hard to meet in the middle or at least find an answer. But with Dabo, it did feel like that he became more political and it felt like the, the his love in the media disappeared pretty quickly.
4: Yeah, so. I, I, I said, did sense some of that. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. All
3: right, one segment to go, and I promise I won't leave during the commercial because of personal reasons. (laughs) We'll talk about the absurdity of that player empowerment, and also a little bit about the Eagles. I have a conspiracy theory to consider.
4: That's coming up next. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on
6: up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This
1: podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have
5: hair plugs?
3: We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox,
4: voice of You, the fan. So, RJ, we've got uh, drama in the world of sports as usual. The Philadelphia Eagles are looking for a new head coach, and Kyrie Irving doesn't feel like playing basketball.
3: Okay, so Jonas, you can <laughs> be here to attest that pretty much, I mean, our show has been going two years and then the football season now. So, you know, let's call it 27 months. I've been talking about where does player empowerment end? I've said a few times, my dad, coal miner, union, and if you wanted to get in a fist fight, just cut on the union. So I grew up in an area in eastern Ohio on the river next to Steubenville where Jimmy the Greek came from. Coincidence? Maybe. But (laughs) he, uh, or back there, Almost everyone that had anything had it because of the union. Now, that said, at some point, the case could be made in the coal mines and stuff. The the, the union ran amok, and it, it hurt business. Now, we can all debate where that line is, but what we know is the players in the past have been mistreated, no doubt about it. And here in Vegas, when you think about Joe Lewis being broke and owing money to the IRS and being a greeter at a casino, and I mean, it makes you—I'm not a softy, and it makes me sad because this was one of the great—so I get it, right? But now, Jonas, the idea, what job—I don't care if you're getting paid millions or if you're getting paid minimum wage—what job can you say, hey, I'm not showing up, I'm not going to tell you why, keep paying me, stay tuned— I mean, (laughs) that's really what he's saying. Like, I'll tell you in my due time. He's offended. He might have to even explain (laughs) why he's gone. I mean, what other job is this – Even in the realm of possibility.
4: Only if you work for yourself or you run your own business can I see that even being possible. But you know this from running your own business. You you can't just take
3: off. (laughs) Well, there's two reasons you can't. One, if you have any employees or any team members, they take the cues from you. And in a small company, there's not gonna be the same culture as an IBM or these days, you know, Google, whatever. So you've gotta establish the culture. So and then as smart businessmen say, and this is good advice, if you don't have to be an entrepreneur, don't, because it's it really is hard. It never stops. Right. The service can go down on Christmas Eve. And if you love it, you do it. But when you own a business, the marketplace is your boss. And that sounds a little like a fortune cookie, but it's really true. Right. I mean, think of radio. Ultimately, even if you own the radio station and you're on air, let's say, who's the boss? The listeners, because if they're not listening, you're not making any money. Yeah. So in a way, you've got to and everybody answers to somebody except apparently NBA players. If you're good enough. (laughs) Right. Because if if Kyrie wasn't good, what would happen? Right.
4: Oh, I mean, he'd get cut or they just they'd walk away from him.
3: But, I mean, listen, I told you guys that when would this end? The whole idea that Zeke can decide where, he, you know, he's got two years left potentially on his contract before and goes to Cabo and says, tell me when you make me the richest running back. I'll, I'll come back. And we're all just nodding to it. And to me, all it would take would be the league office— saying a team can't pay in these situations and thus no team would be in tr- But the league seemingly wants to cultivate love from the players and I don't know where it goes. This feels like a real extreme
4: if you missed any of today's show, including a look at the historical impact on the resume of Nick Saban, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are straight out of Vegas back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific. And you can listen right here on Fox Sports Radio and as always on the I Radio app.
5: Straight out of Vegas!
0: if you dare.
2: MoPlay. play